God, uh, you know our needs. Uh, We are needy people and childlike, needing to grow and to change. And uh, Lord, I know that you, you know exactly where our hearts are all the time. And we're grateful that you do not abandon us, but you continue to invest in us and change us and grow us. God, we bring to you uh, the middle schoolers that are up at Hume Lake right now. And Lord, we ask that you would do a mighty work in their hearts, that you would excite them about who you are and the the riches that they have in you. Uh, God, I pray that you would remove distraction and cause them to uh, really be moldable in your hands. God, I pray that this would be uh, a change for some of them, that they would accept the gospel and that they would reject their own methods and their own ways of doing things and that they would embrace your gospel. I pray for others, Lord, that you would um, cause them to see the value that they have in Christ, that that you would solidify who they're going to be and what they're going to do. God, I pray for the leaders. I pray for Brandon. I ask that you would give him wisdom and strength. I pray for the other adult leaders, Lord, I I ask that you would use them mightily and that they would be thrilled uh, that you would choose uh, to use them and see this as a privilege, a privilege that none of us are worthy of. God, thank you. Uh, We ask your blessing on their trip down as well. Uh, Give them safety and a great uh, encouragement on the road. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you verses 6 through 15. This morning we'll be doing 8 through 12, I believe, and we'll do a little review and a little uh, what's coming in the weeks to come. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made made without hands, but putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God, I ask that you would bless our time, that you would cause us to open our hearts just as we have prayed for uh, our middle schoolers, that you would change us, that you would make us what you want us to be.
God, right our ship and our heart. If we are going in a wrong direction, if we are believing wrong things, God, I pray that you would stir us now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. You are the prize. Not you are a prize. You are the prize. And there's a battle going on. There's a struggle. There's a, a, a pulling one way and a pulling the other. And when I look at the book of Colossians, it's talking about this over and over again, this, this tugging and pulling and, and, and going back and forth. And, and the two sides are really Christ and everything else. And there's this tugging going on, pulling you. And, and maybe you feel that. Even this morning as you have come, you feel like there's a tug to go over here and do this and be a part of this. And yet there's a pull of Christ coming over here. And you feel tugged and maybe stretched out. Maybe you feel like one of those Gumby characters that just is kind of stretched and stretched and stretched. I want you to know that this morning as we go through God's Word that you are the prize. You are the prize. You are the one that is in the middle of this. You are the one that is being tugged to and fro. We start at verse 8 this morning. And it really, the my first point is the emptiness apart from Christ. If you look at this in verse 8, it says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human traditions, according to to the elemental spirits of this world. That first part, it says, see to it, is like, it's the idea of, look, look, see. Uh, Really, maybe even look out, it's coming. Watch out, be careful. And think about the warning labels. How How many of you read labels? You're a label reader. Warning. Sometimes we become desensitized to that, don't we? Warning, you could die from this. Yeah, but does it taste good? (laughs) But I like it. Warning. This passage is one of warning. It says, see to it. Be careful. Look out. It's coming. I, I think sometimes we, in our world today, we become kind of cynical and kind of like, I'm not going to trust anyone. And someone says, look out. And you say, why? Why should I look out? There's a boulder running down the hill and it's going to smash you. Are you serious? How can I know I can trust you? Paul's sharing with this church that has accepted the gospel He's sharing with these people that have embraced Christ and he says, look out, be careful, watch out. There's a warning. Make sure this doesn't happen. What is it that he's saying look out for? He says, see see to it that no one takes you captive, takes you captive. Well, that's kind of serious, isn't it? The idea of the word taking captive is the idea of someone taking you as a slave of plunder from uh, going over the city and conquering a city. Many times, in biblical times, they would uh, go into a city, they would bring the city down, and they would grab people, and they say, you will now be my slaves. 
And if you can picture this, he says, look out, be careful that you don't become one of those that's taken in plunder. See, you are the ones. We, we are the ones that is at stake here. This isn't just uh, a thing where a portion of us, a little bit of our mind, a little bit of our money, a little bit of our life is at danger here. We are the ones. And he says, see to it. Be careful. Be careful. Watch out. This is a warning. You can't be taken captive. You should not be taken captive. You should not be the ones that are taken away. Well, what is it that's taking us away? He says this. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. This this idea of philosophy or uh, empty deceit, it, it's pretty similar to the words we looked at in the last couple of weeks where it, it's the idea, it's not necessarily that philosophy is wrong, though if you've taken philosophy in school, maybe you disagree with that. Philosophy may be wrong. It's the idea that there are many different competing and, and ideas of this world and that there's philosophy out there and he says, Make sure, make sure for you that that's not what's taking you captive. He uses the, the term hollow and, and really the, the picture being empty. The picture being empty. I don't know if in your household, sometimes this happens in ours, uh, where, you know, there's cereal. There's cereal and uh, people eat cereal in the morning and um, there's those last five broken pieces of cereal in the bottom and people don't think... No one's going to eat that. They just fold it up and put it away. And so, so you're in the morning, you're rushing around, and you grab that box, and, and you feel it already, and then you open it up, and you just go, oh, that feeling of like, I was all excited, and now I, my hopes are dashed. No frosted flakes for you. Doesn't matter how great they are. There's a picture there of this, that these philosophies, these, these other options, these things that are pulling on us, it says that they're hollow. They're hollow. They're empty. It's the idea that they look from the outside, maybe plausible and maybe worthy, and, and you open them up, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And, and we all know this, right? This isn't something new for us. This isn't something that we can't all stand up and give examples of. Things in our own lives that we've chased after, we've followed after, we've, we've gotten there and we, we realized there's nothing here for me. There's no sense of fulfillment. There's no sense of life in that which looked like this was going to be really living. He says, see to it, be careful. That no one takes you captive through this hollow or deceptive philosophies of this world. See to it that that nothing takes you over and and causes you to be the captive that's taken away. You see, there's this picture here, and I, I really believe that it really starts at Christ. Starts at Christ. Just because of the the tone of this this uh, book and how these are new believers primarily in this church and they start at Christ and yet there's this sense of drawing you away, drawing you away. Rarely uh, are there any examples where 
these other uh, philosophies say to you, hey, I want to ruin your faith and draw you away from Christ. Would you like to listen? It doesn't happen, does it? But there's a sense of wooing and uh, the idea of just stepping just a little by little by little and, and the idea of, of getting you out of that place and then finally you can't remember who you are. You can't remember where you're supposed to be. You can't remember the value of Christ. And you get there and it really pictures, it pictures a hollow and deceptive philosophy that is empty and leads us astray, leads us astray. Do you fear this in your own life? Some of us, if you've lived a, a number of years with Christ, maybe sometimes you think you're invincible. And you say, you know what, it really doesn't matter what I think. I've been a Christian for a long time. It doesn't matter what I read. It doesn't matter what I, what I think about and dwell upon and what I see and where I am and who I listen to. It doesn't matter anymore. And yet, as Paul encouraged the Colossians church, Colossian church, and the inspiration of God, he says, see to it. Make sure. Protect yourself. I think it's interesting sometimes. Uh, do you believe in protecting yourself? Protecting yourself? Sure you do. Um, we, we think uh, we're in a gated community, aren't we? Right now? Some of you feel safer, too. You're, <gasps> the gate. You think about uh, in the neighborhood we lived in, uh, in Petaluma, there were so many people that uh, had their, you know, their sign outside that said that they had an alarm system of some sort. You know, in their cars, they, they would have these ones that would go off and wake the whole neighborhood up. And their, their sense of like, this is how we protect ourselves. Many of you are, are, are very protective of your skin. You go outside and your sunscreen, you're lathering up. You're just lathering up and, and the big bad uh, sun is going to get you. It might. I think about these things and all the ways we protect ourselves. And yet, in this passage, what is being protected right now? What are the things that he says, make sure to watch out for? It's not our physical body. There's not a sense of them to be worried about someone grabbing them and hauling them off. But this picture is the picture of the heart, of our mind, of our mind, of our thoughts. That someone would grab hold of your mind and and pull you away and and bring you away, not on your own will of some good life out there, but something as plunder, as being taken captive. He says, don't let it happen with hollow and deceptive philosophy. Nor also, uh, as he goes on in verse 8, he says, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. I'm sorry, back up one. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world. The idea is those are are combined together. Two, uh, Two things that are very similar, human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces, real tough to understand, real tough to understand. I think the first part we get real, uh, I think we can all understand fairly easy, easily, human tradition, human tradition. 
There's a sense in which there's a body of information that's passed down through generation to generation. And, and there's a sense of us all knowing what that is. Be good, be good. And you'll be, you'll get to go to heaven, right? Is that what the Bible says? Be good and you can go to heaven. No. No. There's some other things. Uh, uh, look out for number one, right? That's passed down, right? Don't worry about anybody else. Worry about yourself. There's plenty of human tradition that's been passed down that he's warning us against, right? And where did this come from? Well, it came from the place where we live, the country we've lived in, the teachers we've had, the parents we've had, and their teachers and parents, you know, it goes on and on. And he says, be careful about that. This is part of the warning. You don't want to be a part of just human tradition. You, you don't want that to be the, the one that, that makes you captive. It's not a place you want to be. The second part, he talks about, uh, and this is, this is probably the most difficult in our passage to understand. He says the elemental spiritual forces, or in, in our translation this morning, there's some different, um, probably in the Bibles that you're holding here, the elemental spirits of the world. Uh, we struggle with that. What is that? Well, even commentators and translators, as they look at this, they're going, what, what is Paul referring to here? What are these element, these, these base parts that he's talking about? Uh, some believe that it was just simply in biblical times, the air, earth, fire, and water. It was those, those pieces that they all looked to and they said, we can do anything with these. These are part of of what we can see, touch, and feel. Others, uh, as they look at this passage, see this as all spiritual, and it's all the spiritual forces within the world. I tend to believe that uh, in this passage, and you know, I could go either way, I, I read quite a bit on this, but that he was probably talking about the spiritual forces. But it doesn't really matter, Right? Because what he is talking about is don't focus on anything else. Don't allow anything else to take you captive. Not anything. He lists these things, these dangers for us, and then he says at the end of verse 8, not according to Christ. Not according to Christ. You see, uh, there's a single focus in the book of Colossians that draws us back to Christ all the time. There's a sense of beautiful simplicity that says, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And I think sometimes, especially in this passage, there's a sense of knowledge, right? There's a sense of getting out there and hearing what people think and, and gathering and studying and, and gathering the philosophies of this world. All that's out there, gathering it all together and saying, this will make me enough. And he says, don't let them take you away. Don't let them take you captive. There's nothing out there apart from Christ. Apart from Christ. He is the one. He is the one. And I want to uh, I want to point you back because this is going to set up our next point here. He uses he, he uses the phrase hollow, hollow. 
And I think that all the philosophies, all the things out there apart from Christ, we could term as one thing, as hollow. Leaving you empty. Leaving you empty. In verse 9, we move on to our second point this morning. The fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. We, we have, we've already talked about the emptiness without Christ. Now we talk about the fullness, the fullness of Christ. In verse 9 it says, For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Dwells bodily. Very important verse. Many of you have studied about uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. We realize that this verse plays into it. That Jesus was not just a man. He was not just a man. But He was God come in the flesh. He was God as a man. And and as this passage shows us that all the fullness of God dwelled in Him in bodily form. That's hard for us to imagine. And part of the reason is because nobody's ever been like that. Nobody's ever been like that. You, You think about that and so often... Uh, as people argue over the deity of Christ, that He was God. As they discuss that, and as they say, well, you know, it doesn't make sense, and this and that, and they put all these plausible, logical arguments, and and they look for other evidence, and they, they say, it can't be, it can't be. And yet, and yet, the Bible shares with us that only one, only one, was God come in the flesh, and it was Jesus, it was Jesus. You need to hear that word in there that's really important to our passage this morning in context. As you look at verse 9, it uses the word fullness, fullness, that all of God was in Him. There was a fullness, there was a completeness to who Christ was as He walked the face of this earth. He was all of God. There was a fullness there. And then as He moves on and He talks about us, It says this in verse 10, And you have been filled in Him. You've been filled in Him. And this is super important, right? Because in in the the philosophies of this world and all the stuff that's out there that can draw you away from Christ, there's a what? There's an emptiness. There's There's a hollowness. There's a lot of advertising. But once you get to the product, there's nothing there. It's a scam. It's a hoax. It's something that that promises great things and offers little or nothing. And yet in Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in Him in bodily form. And then what does it say? That in Him, He brings us, he, He brings us to the place of being filled in Him. Do you get how this all fits together? There's an emptiness But in Christ, there's a fullness of God. And now that fullness of God is in us. Isn't that amazing? That He would would come and bring us from a place of slavery. He's going to talk about slavery and sin and just lost in all the sin and junk that we've been a part of. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. But in Him, He brings us from that empty, dirty place to a place where we are filled up in Him. This is good stuff. This is important stuff for people like you and me to remember. And you have been filled in Him. You have been filled in Him. 
And the last part of verse uh, 9 says this, verse 10, excuse me, filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Most of the time the rule and authority talks really gets us to move even outside of our world and, and, and thinking about all rule and authority, all, all rulers both here on the face of this earth, but even in those that we can't see and uh, the, the demonic activity, the angelic beings, and it says this, that, that Christ is over all. Christ is over all. And as you look back to that which we're to protect ourselves from, to watch out for, there's a sense of always authority, right? We talked about this in the last, last couple of weeks. If someone uh, has gone to school, if they're a professor, if they have a doctor's degree, if they are, are, are smart, there's a sense of authority, right? You need to listen because I've gone to school. I've studied this my whole life. I know. And yet, when it points to Christ, He's over all. He's over all. He's over all authorities down here, and He's over all authorities everywhere. Everywhere. This is Jesus. This is the one we're talking about. It's God come in the flesh. He fills us up, and He's over all. Do you see there's a sense in uh, these couple of verses we've looked at that He is the one where all fullness is. He is the one where life is. And there's not a sense of advertising that can be overdone when it comes to Christ. Because He is over all. Third point this morning brings us to the way that we uh, have, have connection with this. The way we receive this fullness. It's complicated a little bit for us because it takes on the the topic of circumcision and really as you think through the the old testament and the jews of the day they clung to those things that that really marked them and circumcision definitely being one of those things i think of the book of galatians and it's very similar in in the way it discusses this and 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 we do that too don't we? we we have things that we cling to and we say i am good because of this i'm right with god because of this i am in part of the family because of what i have done and yet as he talks about this he he wants to talk to these people who would have had that as a background and really the only thing he wants to share with them is the identification in christ it is what he has done in verse 11, um, and really uh, in this whole passage, I want to point something out. Um, count how many times it says, in Him, in Him. Do you see that? Uh, if I were to preach the whole book, maybe it would just be in Him. Yeah, that would be the title. Because this is what it is for us to be in Christ, is that He is everything. He is everything. And apart from us being in Him, we have nothing. Verse 11, in Him... Also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He describes something to them that they would have said, ah, circumcision, it's, a, it's an act, it's something done, it's something done. And he says, no, 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 no. Not a, a circumcision not done with hands. There's a marking on you that isn't a part of your flesh. And it comes from Christ. It comes because of what He has done. 
it's interesting. He says in here, uh, the putting off of the body of the flesh, the body of the flesh. How, how does your flesh work? And when it, you know, when it talks about how are you apart from Christ? How did you, um, how did you deal with the life that you had lived? There's a sense in which your flesh ruled the day, right? Both physically and spiritually. There was a sense in which, how did you decide and make decisions? Well, it's what I want to do. It's just how I, I deal with it. I thought about it and I wanted to do it and so I did. And how did that work out for you, by the way? You know, we could tell some great stories, Right? We could tell some great stories of how thought out we were and how planned out we were and how our life just blew up like we stepped on a landmine and just exploded. We can tell some stories, can't we? And see, this is what he's talking about. He says it's not about uh, what's done in the flesh. It's not about us walking and doing what we're doing. It's about Christ removing that, that flesh from us. It's about Him marking us as His own. And we no longer are ones driven by what we do in the flesh, but we are now driven by Christ. Driven by Christ. We are no longer self-ruled by the flesh, but now we are ruled by Christ. Picture here of the circumcision of Christ is that He removed us. He, he removed us from that place, marking us as His own. You look down here, it's important for us to see the, the next part in verse 12. He brings about baptism, and He's talking about baptism. Listen to this, it says this. Having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power, powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. As we will celebrate baptism in this church as people come to know Christ, the picture of baptism is not one of so much washing, of being washed. I know that sometimes we get that picture as we think of the water and we think of washing. But the picture in Scripture is that of being identified, identified with Christ, both in His death, the idea of being buried, and with His resurrection being coming, rising from the dead. That us identifying with Christ and what He had done in His death and resurrection, we participate and that we gain, we gain all that Christ is, all that Christ is for us. I want you to think this morning... And, and I don't know how you came to church this morning. I mean, I, I know how you came. Most of you rode in a car. But I don't know uh, what you're feeling as you came this morning. I know that some of you uh, were probably excited to come to church. I hope you were, by the way. My daughter was super excited to come to church this morning. You know why? She got a cute new Bible. It helps, doesn't it, ladies? Excited to come to church. Others of you, uh, you had to drag yourself out of bed this morning. You said, I don't even know why I'm going. I'm discouraged. I'm hurting. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm ready to give up. Ready to quit. 
ready to not just be wooed away by the philosophies, but I'm going to run away. And I want I want us all to get this morning that the options that you have, and you are the prize, remember? You are the one that is being pulled from one side to the other. And I want you to get your options. I want you to see what you have. You have all the fullness and bodily form in Christ filling you. Or you have the emptiness of all that's in this world. I want to tell you, if you're ready to walk away, don't. Because there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. You'll get there and you'll look in the box and there's nothing there. If you haven't accepted Christ today, maybe you've been at all those boxes, right? You've been going from one to the other. You've been buying into one philosophy after another and and trying to find somewhere out there something that will be great for you. And I want to tell you, quit shopping. Quit shopping. Christ is what you're looking for. Fullness in bodily form. Fullness of God in bodily form. Filling you. Filling you. Let's pray and ask that God would uh, remind us of these things and through His Holy Spirit would cement them in our hearts. God, thank You. Thank You for the opportunity of being before Your Word and for the powerful message that there's a hollowness and a deception and an emptiness in the things that we have in this world. And there's also a fullness in Jesus Christ. God, help us to cling to your Son. Help us to not abandon the gospel, but uh, stand firm in it. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word and for your Holy Spirit that works in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.